Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I can't imagine something more meaningful to do with, with your resources than to, than to do something like this. And as Tamara said, for 500 years in, the, in this village, in this city in northern India, it, fathers literally prostitute their daughters and even their wives for money in, for, because they're so poor. And it's been a 500-year practice. And the first house of Palms, 86 girls have been rescued out of those homes. The parents are happy to send them because they'll be educated and they can ultimately actually bring a different type of income. But can you fathom the degradation, one, to be sex trafficked at all, but to be sex trafficked in your own home with your father standing outside bringing the person in who's going to abuse you? That's what's going on there. And soon, we're, it would already have been coming out of the ground, but the pandemic has stopped the ability to construct. But you have given well over $170,000 to get this thing built. So thank you so much, Kingdom Builders. We are about to see 86 more girls rescued. <laughs> Slavery still exists today. Sex trafficking still exists. And, and, and how many of you know it's a little bit better to go actually rescue somebody than to post about it? How many of you know we're called, if you want to post, fine, but how many of you know Jesus wants us to do a whole lot more than just feel good about writing writing something on a blog or something? Let's go rescue people. Kingdom Builders here at Cranberry, Meadville, Newcastle, online, thank you for making an impact. Thank you for the privilege of reaching around the world, serving people with the gospel. How many of you are grateful to be a part of something like this? Isn't it awesome? I'm so thankful. I want to talk to you today. The title is this, is, is simply this, is that kingdom builders live a lifetime of legacy say out loud lifetime and that's gonna that's gonna bring more context here in a minute the kingdom builders live a lifetime of legacy now all legacy really means is simply this legacy is a focus beyond you legacy is living beyond your problems living beyond your pain living beyond your pleasure your wants what benefits you you're for no more that's what legacy really is and legacy is what you leave behind you and 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 the reason I say lifelong kingdom builders is because there's a fallacy that comes with legacy that I want you that I want to unearth today because God has an amazing plan for every one of us to be kingdom builders in our lives right now now back at the end of September I had the great privilege of spending about four or five days with five days with John Maxwell uh, and I don't have time, I won't go into it again, but this is the third or fourth week of the fourth week where I'm sharing with you what I'm calling times with a world-class kingdom builder, mentoring lessons from a world-class kingdom builder. And John Maxwell, under, on anybody's list, is one of the top authorities on leadership in the world. Sold over 35 million books on leadership. And the reason that I'm so passionate about sharing with you not only what he said, but what I observed, is because John has done all of this from a secular position. John is not doing this as a pastor. He's learned how to leverage who he is for the kingdom of God from a secular perspective. And sometimes I think it's hard for people to hear from a pastor and how to bridge that gap. And so when I was sitting there on the plane listening to him, and, 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 and hours upon hours, and I mean literally hours upon hours, seven and a half up and back and then hours while we were there, I kept thinking, Lord, if I could bring everybody that I serve on this plane, I w- oh, God, if I could just bring them here. And I was saying, Lord, how, what do I do with this to serve the people? 
that, that you've called me to serve. And, and that's why I'm, I've spent three, and this is the fourth week, of taking you into that world to help equip you. Because you understand, remember this, God uses people. And how many of you are a people? So say it out loud, God uses me. And so John, of course, has impacted tens of thousands of leaders, and I'm one of them. But, you know, but as a pastor, I want you to understand that everything that happens to me, everything God gives me the privilege to grow in is so that I can turn Turn it around and, and give it to you to help grow you. But can I pivot and ask you to consider this? That I'm no different than you are. That God has privileged you to have impartations in your life of freedom. Things that he set you free from in your life. And God has given you a sphere of influence as well. Now my, my sphere of influence is not called to be at the scale and the sphere of influence of a Maxwell. And maybe yours isn't either. But I promise you, every one of you are a leader because all leadership is, is influence. And every one of you, every one of us have been given a sphere of influence. And John said to us that we're on, with him on the trip, uh, there were about eight or nine of us and half were pastors, half were businessmen and women. And he stopped and he spoke to the business people and he said, remember this. And these are very successful people. He said, all your vocation is, is your platform to reach people for God in his kingdom. That's all it is. And everything else is nonsense. I don't care how much you make, how, many stuff, how much stuff you own, who knows your name, what your bank account looks like. If that's all it does, it will be, it'll burn away. It'll mean nothing. He said, you leverage everything you are for God in this life. And he said, and you will live the fullest life you ever imagined. It was such a privilege to be in that environment. Over and over again, you'll hear us say things here. And all of us are saying it over and over again because the Bible commands us to speak the same thing when it comes to God's purpose. You'll hear me say over and over again that this church exists to help all people realize God loves them unconditionally. Say all people. All people means all people. Love God, hate God, love you, hate you. All pe Jesus died for all people. And here's the reality. God loves all people. And if the scripture tells us it is the goodness of God and the kindness of God that will lead a man or a woman to repentance. And so when you reveal the love of God to people, it is an invitation to walk with God. And I want to help you to understand that that privilege that you've enjoyed, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, isn't just for you. That you are meant to be a person of legacy and to give it away. You know, there are four values in the heart of God for you that he longs for every human being on planet Earth to experience. First, to know that he loves you, but then secondly, to actually come to know him and to be redeemed from your sin stain and to become a child of God and begin to walk with God with intimacy, not religion. And then he wants you to find freedom in your life. It's the heart of God. It's the very heartbeat of Jesus for you. What, is, what, do, what do I mean, find freedom? That you get past your past. Most people live and die, and all they ever do is let their past forecast their future. Jesus said, I've come to make you free. But here's the, the third thing that, so the, the first two just seemed to focus on me, but the third one, he died, he came, and he, and he rescued you so that you could discover your God-given purpose. The purpose that is beyond your sorrow, beyond your pain, beyond your pleasure, beyond your success, beyond your failure, you have been called and a very portion of the heart of God for people has been apportioned to you and you must discover what that is. And until you do, 
I don't care what you have, what you don't have, what you have upside, downside in life. You will be half dead while you live as a Christian until you discover that and then act upon it, which is the fourth value in the heart of God for you is that you would make an eternal impact with your life. That the way you live would impact people that don't know God, that are far from God. So I want to take you into three simple keys today to living a lifetime of legacy. Again, say lifetime. And here's the first one. Living a lifetime of legacy doesn't start when you're old. Living a lifetime of legacy does not start when you're old. It starts the day you come to Christ. Whether you're 12 or 20 or 50, that's the day that you start living legacy. What do I mean by legacy? I mean that you live for more than you. Your, your joy, your pain, your sorrow, your problems solved. You live for more than you and you live giving something, leaving a trail behind you of adding value to people. And But most people try to multiply before they learn to add. But all of us, you start by adding value to people and you live that way the rest of your life. Look for people that you can add value to their life and serve them as a Christian, whether they know God or they don't, because it is that, that connection, that revealing of God's love in you toward them that will open the door for you to be able to share with them the privilege of the gospel. But most people think in terms of these large scale things. We hear of someone like a John Maxwell and we go, ah, I can never do that. But you, before you ever multiply, you have to add. Now, I wasn't the best at school. I, I don't know that I couldn't have done decently. I, I, I don't know. My attention span is, was pretty low. But I was extremely good on test days. I knew where to sit. <laughs> I'm not saying that you should do that. If your kids are watching, it's a, bad, bad. Don't do this. And when I got caught, they gave me an F. But I knew who to sit by. And you know what? When I got out of school, they gave me an A for looking on other people's papers. I went to school. They said, don't look on anybody's paper. I got out and they said, learn from everybody. I said, well, I was ahead of all of y'all. <laughs> but every one of us are called to add value to people. Every one of us are called to be a multiplier. I want to take you into something that Jesus said to the apostle Peter. The resurrection has occurred and, and Peter's been restored, if you will. And, and now Peter, here he is with Jesus. And Jesus is about to reinstate him into his calling. Remember, he had denied Jesus. He thought it was all over. You ever feel like your life's all over? It's never all over when you walk with God, ever, ever. Rem please remember that no matter where you find yourself today, whether you're here in Cranberry or Newcastle or Meadville, it's never over. God is faithful. God is faithful. And Jesus is actually reinstating him. And let me take you into this discourse of Jesus talking to Peter in John 21 verse 15 when they had finished eating that's one of my favorite verses right there I don't know about y'all I don't know what they were eating but I know the way I grew up that was a good day when they had finished eating Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you love me more than these yes Lord he said you know that I love you Jesus said feed my lambs say out loud lambs and again, Jesus said, Simon, he said again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? 
And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. For truly I tell you that when you were younger, say out loud, younger. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, now you follow me. Now, I don't know if Jesus is going to tell me the, my story. I don't want to know the end if they're going to do that. Church history tells us Peter was crucified upside down. That's how he was martyred for his faith. And Jesus said to him, you know, you follow me. When you're young, when you're young, when you're young, I want you, to, you say you love me, Peter. Here's how, you, here's how you love me. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Don't say you love me and don't care about people. He said, if you'll do that, Peter, that's how you love me. And when you're young, you'll get to do it at your own volition and will. But when you're old, they're going to arrest you. They're going to take you. They're going to strip you of your clothing. They're going to kill you for your faith. And he said, in spite of all of that, you follow me. You talk about direct. Legacy people know how to follow Jesus in the midst of anything. And if you don't live, if we don't learn to live beyond ourselves when we're young, we will never be positioned to, to truly leave a legacy when we're old. Because sometimes we live under the illusion that legacy starts when you're old. Now, I'm 61, and that's, you know, in the scheme of life, that's not old, old, but, you know, you have people like Pastor John Spencer's here today. He's, he's you know, Methuselah feels young about, about him, you know? No matter where you are in life, there is a reality that you're going to get old if you stay on the planet. But he said to him, he said, when you're young, do this, serve people, serve people. You are a legacy living person now, the minute you get saved. You know, last Sunday, we celebrated 28 years of our anniversary of being a church. What a, what, a, what, I'm, what a blessing to be able to be a part of something like this and to serve it for 20, 28 years. But when, 28 years ago when this church started, I want you to understand something, that it started when we were young. 33, we were, I was 33, Michelle was, uh, I believe, 25. And we, we started Victory. And 33 people showed up the first day. Half of those were family and friends who were just going to go back to where they were from. And the rest were people that just stared at me like I was out of my mind. Let me tell you why. Because 28 years ago, last Sunday, I stood up with absolutely no understanding and no capacity and no abilities and no skills. Nothing more than a desire to do the will of God, to serve and to love human beings. That's all we knew. That's all we had. And I found something out about God that when you have his heart, the other stuff he can add to you. And 28 years ago, I stood up and I told them that day everything you're seeing on this campus today. And other than Michelle and a pastor friend, Pat Butcher, who came up, and my mother, everyone else looked at me like, you are out of your mind. I said, the day will come when this ministry, this church, will, will shake the Northeast with the power of God. And people are like, well, I'm glad you're going to do that. I ain't even coming back. <laughs> That's what happened that first day. And then I said this, someday I will get old and I will die and I will be buried on a hill somewhere around here and I will give my life for this. You see, 
If you don't understand at every stage of life that you are called to live legacy. Last week I told you the story about Michelle giving or selling her, her wedding ring to start a single mother's ministry. She wasn't 50 years old. She was 26. It starts when you walk with God, when he, when he wrecks your heart and he rescues your life. You run back into the places he rescued. And heaven will move for you. No matter what you're facing, whether you're here at this campus, the, the difficulties that surround much around Newcastle, Meadville, all of us deal with things, all of us have issues around us, but all of us have a circle of influence. What is God calling you to do right now with your life? Legacy is not what you do when you're old. It's what you do all your life. It's living beyond yourself right now. It's focusing beyond you and leaving a trail behind you. What an amazing God we serve. And that little seed 28 years ago has turned into this wonderful tree that now Newcastle and Meadville live under its shade. And, and, and you mark this down. There will be 1,000 life-giving churches planted in the Northeast before we're done. And we're going to help people do it with, along with others. We will see it come to pass. 1,000 life-giving churches in the Northeast. The Northeast has been a graveyard for life-giving churches. Now, you might be sitting here saying, you're out of your mind. That's what people said about me 28 years ago. And I've worked very hard to walk with God to get out of my mind. You ever been up there? You wouldn't want to spend any time up there either. You are meant to live beyond your capacity, what you can feel, see, touch, your power, your, your gifts, and your pain. You are meant to live a life of legacy. Lifetime legacy people will thrive under any conditions. And that's basically what Maxwell was saying to us. He said, listen, he said, let me tell you about this pandemic. What a great statement. Listen to this. He said, this pandemic did not change Christians. It just revealed who they were. If they became critical and miserable, it's because their hearts were critical and miserable and the pandemic exposed it. If they started fighting for stupidity instead of people, it's because their heart was full of it. And he said to all of us, don't get distracted by the next crisis. Jesus told Peter, someday they're going to kill you for me, but you follow me. You see, when you, when you live a life of legacy, you don't bow your knee to anyone but, but the master. It doesn't matter the cost. You follow him. It doesn't matter. And you love all people because he died for all people. Yeah, but I don't agree with those people. Who cares? That's not your call. Yeah, but I'm right. I'm dead right. Yeah, but you're still dead. If we live outside the values of the heart of Jesus, we're wasting our life. And that's what John was saying to all of us, the ministers and the business men and women alike. He said, don't waste your life. Let your influence be kingdom-minded. Jesus is the only hope this world has, and he's my only hope. The book of Hebrews says he becomes an anchor for your soul. That means your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, all the things that want to distract you and pull you. He said, Jesus, if you'll walk with him and serve him and follow him, he will become an anchor for you in a world that is full of troubled waters. My prayer for every person, whether you're here, whether you're at Newcastle or Meadville, no matter what you're going through in your life, is that you become a prisoner of hope and not a prisoner of fear, a prisoner of rage. A person that will live a legacy life all their life 
will be a person that won't be stymied by their difficulties. Yeah, but you don't know how hard life was for me. And it is regrettable and it is terrible that it's been hard for me or you or whomever. But God is faithful. He didn't tell Peter, you follow me until it gets tough. Then, you know, then, then chunk it, go in the room and write on Facebook. I, I want to get a little bracelet for everybody. What would Jesus post? Not what would Jesus do? I think that's a good one. That, you know, I should probably patent that. But anyway. The second value I want you to see is this, that living a lifetime of legacy is more about planting seeds in others than bearing fruit for yourself. Here's the second value. Please get this, and you don't have to wait till you're old. Remember that. You do it now. You do it now. Every seed we sowed 28 years ago is so... It, you, you, God, how could this be? Because everything in the kingdom starts with the seed. Remember, living a lifetime of legacy is more about planting seeds in others than bearing fruit for yourselves. Kingdom building people of legacy want more for you than from you. That's why God has the heart that he has. God so loved that he gave. That's why in November 6th and 7th, that weekend is our legacy offering. Our impact offering, if you will. Where we're going to come and we're going to bring our, our, our best gifts above our normal giving and, and believe to give and to raise, if you will, over $1.6 million to pour out into the world like places like in northern India. Do you realize it's against the law to preach the gospel where we're building that wonderful home for those kids? And you understand they're getting saved, they're walking with God, and they're seeing love in a, in, in a, in a, in a community that prostitutes their children. And it's shaking them. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And so people through, the, through these years, and Pastor Steve Moore, is, he oversees Kingdom Builders for all of our campuses. People come to Steve and to me all the time when they see what you have done as a church here at Cranberry and Meadville and Newcastle, your generosity beyond your normal giving into Kingdom Builders. And here's the question we get asked. How do you guys raise that much money? And Steve and mine, we always respond the same. We don't raise money. Well, we, sure you do. How do you, you can't give away what you don't raise. We don't raise money. I'm not a fundraiser. I'm a faith raiser. That's why if you come to Victory, you know that this entire year, we don't talk about the money. We talk about the building the kingdom. We show you the fruit of what you do. And then we ask you to hear God's voice and be generous. And I'm believing God with everything in me. That as, whether you give your, your impact offering on, on the 6th and 7th or through the end of the year, whenever you, you bring it in. But we're going to do our best to bring it in on that day. And we want, I believe we can so far exceed that. I, I'm trusting God that we can get up to the $2 million number. You know what will happen in December? That we're going to find people on the Meadville campus and the, and the Newcastle campus and the Cranberry campus. And you're going to get to make phone calls to people around the world and, and do Zoom calls. And there are going to be people that are, that are fighting for human beings. And you're going to get to make a phone call like this. We're able to send you 50,000 more for what you do. And they're going to cry. Not because they want to go to, on a trip. It's because they need it to serve people. There's no greater way to live. And you will never know the joy of life until you live beyond yourself. It will never happen. Ever, ever, ever happen. Lifetime legacy people value seeds more than fruit. When you live this way, it is not a limitation, it is an invitation to live a life of adding value, to live a life of, of, of actually living a legacy life, to live a life where you add and multiply your life to others. 
Jesus taught the kingdom of God and compared it to a seed in, in, in the gospel of Mark. Let me read you what he said in Mark chapter 4, verse 31. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet, this is so important, when it is planted, very few people ever plant it. And here's a reason, because it's the smallest. It seems insignificant. The $1,500 that Michelle got for her wedding ring, it was like a drop in the bucket. How could that help single moms? But today, thousands of single moms have been served over the years. This year alone, you have helped give over one million pounds of food. Cranberry, Newcastle, Meadville, one million pounds of food. It started with the seed of a wedding ring from a 26-year-old kid. What will the seed of your life produce? Oh, what a way to live. In verse 32, he said, yet when this seed is planted, it will grow. And it will become the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Who is meant to live under the shade of the seeds you're called to sow with your life? And I'm not talking about money. The offering, the impact offering isn't obvious. I'm talking about the, the heart of God that he has apportioned and put in your soul. So many times people are waiting for something grandiose and big. The Bible doesn't say God blesses our leaps. He blesses our steps. And I want to help you to see the seed of your life. Because living a lifetime of legacy is not a 40-yard dash. It's not even a marathon. It's a relay race. There has to be a handoff from generation to generation. And no matter how fast the runners are, if they drop that baton, they're, they're disqualified. Victory Family Church at all of our campuses, the, 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 those that exist today and will in the future. It is our heart's desire to pass off to the next generation. Now, when people hear me say that, I think some have said to me, they said, Pastor John, you need to be careful. People think you're going to disappear. Some people might go, praise God. Handing off the baton doesn't mean I disappear. It means I empower another generation. And I keep working. So what would you be doing? Whatever he wants us to do. Every season of life, just follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. Whatever he puts in your heart, you do it. Serve people. Because at the end of the day, if you think Christianity is, is a dash, some great thing you're going to achieve, or if you will, even a marathon, you're wrong. It is running as hard and fast as you can, passing the baton to the next one. That's what we're called to do. That's what legacy people do. The time with Maxwell was so remarkable. These values that I'm talking to you about, I observed and he literally talked about in fact one of the things he said directly to all of us he said I hear Christians all the time saying you know I need to love people more I need to love people more he stopped and he said can I just ask you a question why don't you just actually love people and I mean love them to where it breaks your heart and then no one has to tell you what to do when you love someone you'll do anything he said, instead of trying to figure out how to do or a what to do, just actually do love people. Let God break your heart with theirs and their lives. And, and I watched this man have this joy of serving people that, no, that in the most bone-breaking, back-breaking poverty, 
where I watched that man weep and his, it wasn't over meeting the presidents. He doesn't care about that, that feeling of meeting with a great leader. He only wants to leverage that for the kingdom. But it's when I watched him with what people would, would, would just overlook and people that would be maybe nothing in their, in their purview. But that's what I watched that man's heart break as he wept over those people. And he, the, for the privilege, the, and it was a privilege to him to serve them. When we were on the plane together, he came over and there's a couch and he sat by me on the couch. And he did something that I have to be honest with you. If you would have told me this would have happened, I would have said, oh, that would have felt uncomfortable. Not because of any other reason that I, I don't know him that well. But he came over on the couch and he put his arm around me. And for about 15 minutes, he kept his arm there while he talked to me. And I remember thinking, shouldn't this make me feel a little, you know, not because it's a guy with his arm around you. It's like, I barely feel like I don't, but there was such a heart in him to help me. I wish I could explain to you in that 20, 30 minutes, it felt like somebody was just, just felt force feeding life into me. And I remember later on thinking, God, why did you privilege me to receive from a man that 23 presidents, prime ministers are waiting to talk to. Why me? Why'd you stick me on that plane with other preachers and, and a handful of business people? Why would Maxwell do that? Because he knew the seed of my life and the seed of the lives of those in the kingdom that are willing to give their life away can multiply. And it was a remarkable moment. Who are you supposed to put your arm around and help? Well, I need to get my life together. It's never going to happen. Did you just destined me to being messed up my whole life? No, no, no. Life did that for you. You will never be perfect. Stop giving these ridiculous things you have to cross before you can serve people. Well, I'm just messed up myself. What will people think? They'll think God's merciful. Well, I don't want anyone to be offended. Then don't talk to people because they get offended. Live your life for people. Serve people with everything in you. And you remember this. This is not a value for old people. This is a value of God and his kingdom. And then lastly this. The third, the third key I want you to see that I saw in him is that legacy people understand this. That legacy lives on in people, not in things. In people, not in things. Lifetime legacy is about investing in people. And not just leaving things behind. Now the book of Proverbs says to leave an inheritance is a godly thing. There's nothing wrong with that. I remember my dad as he was getting older. Italians are a little cynical. Just a little. Newcastle. A lot of Italians in Newcastle. Come on. Come on. Newcastle. The Italians there. There's like two here. But there's a ton of you all there. So it was my dad was getting older. I said, you know, someday you're going to die and I'm going to miss you. But if you left me 10 million bucks, it would have softened the blow. And my dad, who pointed like this, let me tell you something, boy. I'll tell you what I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you your mother and bills. That's what I'm leaving you. You and your, your brothers, you salams. Short for salami. So that's a bad thing to call you, not if you're Italian. But the reality of it is, and he didn't leave us bills, but he did leave us my mom, who was, who was a treasure. Let me tell you something, whenever hell shows up for this church, in your life or my life, I'm fighting till I win. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world.
Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Let God, if God's for you, no one can stand successfully against you. Nothing is impossible with him. That's what a person who lives in the kingdom, that's how you live your life. You're unbreakable, unbendable. I didn't mean you don't feel broken. I'm telling you, you aren't because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's how you're called to live. What an amazing privilege to live that way. Cranberry, Meadvale, Newcastle, you're called to live that way. Fight for people, not against them. There are three words I want you to get if you're a legacy person. Full, speed, ahead. Go. Don't wait for permission to give your life away. Go do it in every imaginable way that God gives you grace to do. Then lastly, let me tell you a story about my mom. My mom is pr probably one of the greatest soul winners that I know, personally, winning people to Jesus. Sometimes we tell stories of these people like Maxwell and you think, well, I can't relate to that. But let me tell you about my mom. She's 86 years old, and I I've never personally known anybody who witnesses Jesus to people more relationally and simply. I should witness to anybody and it feels just normal. Every time something breaks in her house, a repairman's getting saved. It's the way it works. So my mom's been a soul winner her whole life. She can't even remember all the people she's led to Jesus. She's left a legacy. By the way, I'm part of that legacy. By the way, so are you. She was just with the Lord one day and, and he spoke to her heart and he said, call Big Sam. Who's Big Sam? Well, there's a little Sam. Little Sam is like one of the adopted Nuzo brothers. I have four brothers, Sam, and there's a few other guys that are really a part of our family and they've been adopted in. They went out sometimes, but we won't let them go. We let you in, but we won't let you out. Sam literally is like a brother to me. But Sam's dad was not a nice man. His, uh, his dad was cruel, cruel to his kids, cruel to his wife. I did not like him as a kid and I know my mother didn't. He was, uh, he was toxic and I'll just leave it at that. And my mother, her first response was, I'm not calling him. And then God really dealt with her heart and she did. Now let me tell you a story that will help you understand why everybody matters and why it's so easy to judge people. God sees such a broader view of humans than we do. She picks up the phone, gets his number from little Sam, who's now 60-something, and says, gets his calls, and, and he answers the phone, and he said, Sam, she said, Sam, this is Patty. Here's what he said. Now, he doesn't know Jesus at all. Did God tell you to call me? She was startled. She went, well, yes. I, I, she was thinking, how am I going to talk to him? The first thing he said, did God tell you to call me? Uh, yes. And here's what he said. Good, because I'm dying. And I don't want to go to heaven. She's like, what? I mean, that's a very unusual thing to say. And then she found out something about Big Sam that none of us really knew about him. That we really, no one really factored in. When he was a young man, just a kid... He was in Korea. He was injured, but he had killed people in Korea. And here's what he said to my mom. I murdered people when I was in Korea. I can't go to heaven. I don't, I, I don't want to go there. And this man, is, you could see, has lived his whole life with what today would be known as PTSD. And I would tell you as a kid watching him, 
I, I didn't like him. My mom didn't like him. I'm sure he had some friends that liked him, but for the people that were intimately acquainted with him, he was not a likable person. And yet God saw beyond what other people would have said. Ugh. He said, I desperately love that man. And he has lived in that condition of being guilty. And my mom brought him to the scripture. She actually called him back, took him through the Bible and showed him that when you serve in, a, in, war, in war and there's scripture about it, you actually are doing ministry that God gives you to do against evil in certain context. And it released him from that guilt and he gave his life to Jesus. Today, Big Sam's in heaven. He's in heaven. Now, here's why, here's why I'm telling you that so important that you understand my mom's 86 years old and everywhere she goes she spreads her influence to tell people about Christ in a relational way she's more gifted at it than anyone I've ever seen and I'm including myself it just seems so natural to her and she longs for the opportunity who are the big Sam's in your life who are the ones you've crossed out who are the people in your circle of influence that you really don't know the rest of their story I think back of the way I thought of that man and, 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 and I feel badly about it. There's a kid that went to serve, his nation was injured, did what he was told to do when he went there and his whole life has lived with guilt, seeing himself as a murderer. So much so that he, that he thought God was going to help him go to hell. But today he isn't there because somebody who had a legacy heart did what God prompted them to do it isn't the grandiose things it's the everyday things that we all do collectively as God's kingdom and his body and I want to pray over you today Newcastle you're a city that has more needs than you did when I was a kid same with Meadville and there are needs that surround all of us cranberry alike we all have a circle of influence I want to pray over your campus I want to pray over every one of your individual lives there is a part of the heart of God that rests in you that you must discover and act upon and make an impact with your life. Obviously, we have the impact offering coming. That's a given. I'm talking to you, though, about living your life in a way to where you truly take a next step. Now, let, let me tell you how I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to stand at all of our campuses and worship. And I'll tell you why in a moment. Every one of us have been given this calling from God. And for most people, they don't know what to do with it. They don't, they don't know how to discover it. And if they do, they don't know what to do with it. Because most people see doing something for God as taking a leap off of, off of a cliff. It's not. God, the Bible says, blesses your steps, not your leaps. And here's what I'm going to be praying for you. That every one of us, this isn't, I don't have to wonder about it. I know it's true because the scripture tells me that God did this for all of us. Somewhere inside you, a portion of the heart of Jesus for human beings has been given to you. And it's going to be as varied as the people in this room and in these campuses. And I want you to understand something very simply. That I'm going to be praying that the Holy Spirit himself of God will begin to make that real to you. And then here's the, the takeaway and the step that I ask you to, to take. Is God revealed to you? A next step. I don't care if it's just the minor, the smallest thing in the world, take it. And for some of you, you're going to step into the power and grace of God that you've never known in your entire existence. And I want to pray over your life. And I want to see God do something great in you and through you. 
so that we can actually be a legacy leaving people this world's desperate for you to take your place and it's the greatest thing you ever do in your life it's the greatest joy you'll ever have and I'll leave you with this final thought from Maxwell as he looked at all of us he said I'm 74 and I am having more fun in my life today than any time in my life combined because I'm living for something more than myself and he, he it sounded like he was begging I he didn't say the words but it sounded I beg you don't waste your life you don't know what you're missing if you'll let God use you wherever you are however it is so I want to pray over you at Cranberry and Meadville and, and Newcastle and those that are with us online and then we're going to stand and we're going to worship God with all of our campuses and when we do I want you to as we're worshiping ask God in your heart make it real to me and show me just one next step to take and then leave this place please don't make it just another service you come and leave take the step do it and let God's grace explode in your life father I pray for every person under the sound of my voice here at the Cranberry campus those in Meadville those in Newcastle those watching online and those who may be watching this days months or even years to come who, who Lord you're timeless Holy Spirit Help us to discover our purpose. Help us to discover the portion of heaven, the heart of, uh, the heart of God that longs to help and serve people that you've apportioned to us. And help us today to leave with a one next step, not a leap, but a step. And by faith, I ask you to help us take it. And I thank you, Lord, that they will follow Jesus and they will feed his lambs and they will feed his sheep and they will serve the precious fruit of the earth and their lives will become seeds. Now, Lord, we all stand together. Let's stand together at all of our campuses. And let's begin to worship God with everything in you. Would you forget about the next few minutes of your life? And would you devote your heart to heaven and let God deal with you, the God of all creation, who loves you desperately? Come on, let's worship God. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.